Welcome to In All Things. I'm Sierra, and I would love to welcome you into my living room to have real conversations with you about everything from forgiveness and personalities to community and discipleship. So let's imagine we're sitting on my couch and encouraging each other to seek Christ in all things. Happy Thursday. Welcome back. I'm glad that you're here. I hope you guys are having a great week so far. I just got back um, this past weekend from a theology conference for women in Michigan, and it was a lot of fun, learned a lot, and talked a lot just with a bunch of people there and my friends that I went with, and so my voice is a little weak. So I apologize about that, but it was a lot of fun. Hopefully my voice lasts throughout this episode today. Um, But I said that I was not going to be doing consecutive episodes on this one topic, but here I am because I got great responses from part one. And with Christmas coming up, it was going to be a couple more months before I got to get to the next one. So I hope you enjoy this part two of looking at verses in their proper context and why it is so important. Last month when we started talking about this, I shared why it's so important to talk about. If you haven't listened to the part one, I would recommend doing so. This isn't a series where you need to listen to them in order, but we do look at different verses. So I would still recommend going and listening, but let's really quick recap why it's important. Reading Bible verses within their correct context is one of the keys to understanding the Bible. When a pastor or a Bible teacher is teaching from the Bible, they are teaching from a place of authority and indicating a truth in Scripture. The problem comes when there isn't proper context to the Scripture they're using. If they're using Scripture out of context, It doesn't really correlate with their message like they are insinuating, and they're indicating a biblical truth that isn't really there. And it's not only pastors and Bible teachers. It's you and I on our Instagram or in our small group or with our friends. It may be unintentional, but it can be misleading. The Bible explicitly warns us about staying away from false teachers. And just because you use a Bible verse out of context does not mean that you are a false teacher. That is a very strong and heavy accusation. But the biggest way to avoid false teachers is to know your Bible. We have the ability to understand this truth in Scripture because it is the living word that will help us discern truth and avoid those false teachers, and not even just avoiding false teachers, but but also discerning false doctrines or misused Scripture and ideas that are unbiblical. And I want to remind you as we go through these next couple verses that I'm not sharing these to shame those of us who have been using these verses without understanding their meaning, because I have misused them too. It's just something that we can learn together and grow in our understanding of the Bible. The first verse I want to talk about today is actually not a full verse, which even more proves this whole point of why we need to be so careful. And it's found in Proverbs and how we commonly see this verse displayed It says, she is worth far more than rubies. It sounds like a wonderfully uplifting sentiment, and it's used as such at women's events or on Mother's Day or something like that to let the females in the room know that they are worth far more than rubies. So this phrase, she is worth more than rubies, leads us to ask the question, is that what the Bible is saying? That the general she, that all women, are worth more than rubies. 
We're going to read the entire context, which is around 20 verses. And I mentioned that this verse was found in Proverbs, and it's Proverbs 31.10. Unlike the verses that we looked at last month, this verse's context comes after the original verse. When we the other verses we've looked at, the context led up to the verse that was taken out of context. And this time, it's the first verse. So we're going to read starting at Proverbs 31.10. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night, and she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hands, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. The full verse at the beginning, it says a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Proverbs isn't talking about every woman in existence. It's not even talking about every Christian woman. This part of Proverbs 31 is a list of qualifications that King Lemuel's mother is giving him to look for in a wife. So when the passage starts with a wife of noble character, it then continues on describing the character that makes a woman noble. If a woman meets those criteria, then she is worth far more than rubies. Within this verse, a teacher or a women's ministry or whoever's presenting the verse, they have such a wonderful opportunity to spur women towards righteousness, to spur women on towards faithfulness and hard work. And yes, there are probably some who do that. But I'm sure that most of us have had an experience where instead of being taught that, we have only been told that we are all worth more than rubies. This mindset of modern day women starkly contrasts the mindset of Paul in the book of Acts. In chapter 20, he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. We need to hear and notice Paul's humility in this. He isn't telling himself 
how worthy and invaluable he is. And he isn't asking for that affirmation from others either. If we want confirmation that God sees us as worthy of his love, we only need to look to the gospel to see that. We don't need to cherry pick a verse to encourage only women that they are worth more than a jewel. Because Christ tells us throughout the gospels that we are all loved more and worth more than sparrows, than flowers in a field. And when we read Romans 5, 8, we can truly see how loved we are. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So again, we can use the Proverbs verse and Proverbs 31 as a whole to motivate us as women to grow in our character, to be noble women for Christ. We don't have to look at that verse and say, oh, I'm worth more than a ruby. We're taking that verse out of context and we're missing the point of that passage. That's really what we're saying here. We are worth, Christ, Jesus tells us that we're more than sparrows. Jesus tells us we're worth more than flowers in a field. But the point is we're missing the context of that passage and the whole meaning and significance behind it. And then we don't go to the gospel like we should to find our worth because we're only looking no further than Proverbs. The second verse that we're going to look at today is another very common verse that is taken greatly out of context. When I was getting ready for this episode, I actually looked up the verse on Instagram to see what kind of posts were hashtagged um, with the verse's reference. And even right in there, I could see the vast misunderstanding surrounding this verse, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yep, we are going to dive deeper into this verse. So now that you know that verse, I'm sure you can picture the photos on Instagram that I saw when I searched this verse. Gym photos, sports photos, some that pertained to running a business. And I'm sure we can all think back into some conversations that we've had in our past that maybe surrounded a test in school or walking into an interview, conquering an illness or overcoming a difficult situation. We see this verse as a way to pump up others or even to pump ourselves up to accomplish something great. I want to present a question to all of us and it's pretty blunt, but I want us to think about it. Do we actually think that Paul is referring to winning a football game or lifting weights, or passing a college exam in this verse. Before we go further, I do not mean to insinuate that God doesn't care about those things. He absolutely cares about the details, even the small ones in our lives. If we are lifting things up to him in prayer and submitting them to him, I believe that he cares about those things. However, just because that is true, doesn't mean that Paul is referring to these items in his letter sent to Philippi. So what is Paul talking about? What can Paul do through Christ who strengthens him? The version that I just read is the most commonly used version of this verse, and I found it in the New King James Version um, and a few others as well. The New Living Translation says, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. But if we read the New International Version, it offers us a different perspective of that one verse in context with the ones prior to it. 
I can do all this through him who gives me strength. As one of my friends said, the word this begs the question what this is. So let's read the few verses leading up to this verse and find out what it means. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord, and at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul is sharing his life experience here. He's thanking the Philippians for being concerned about him, but he assures them that he is fine. He has been in need before and he has had an overabundance before, but he has learned a secret to being content in every situation. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Contentment. Contentment is what he can do through Christ who gives him strength, which happens to be quite the opposite of what this verse is often used for. Paul's just trying to share about being content in the Lord despite your circumstances. And here we are, 2,000 years later, using it as a motivational verse to improve our circumstances in one way or another. Do you see how misleading that can be? Many times our Our theology, our beliefs about God are formed through verses we hear growing up. So what happens then when those verses are taken out of context and sometimes skewed to mean exactly the opposite of what was intended? We sometimes can struggle in our faith because these verses didn't pan out the way we expected. I will say it again. This is why it is so important to know your Bible and to know the context of the verses you're reading. Paul didn't write these words from a place of victory. At the time of writing to Philippi, Paul was not flying high on life by any means. In fact, he was in prison for his faith. He was locked up in a prison that none of us can probably even fathom what it was like. If we take a moment to imagine, he could be sitting in a corner while writing this on a dark, damp, filthy floor in a cell that probably reeks. And he is telling us the secret to being content is through the strength that is given to us through Christ. I think we can all learn something from that, to being convicted by that to some extent. I know that I struggle with contentment, and I know that is a struggle for a lot of people. But this mindset shift that we can lean on Christ for the strength for that contentment is really encouraging. And it also can be convicting that we don't need to necessarily worry about passing the test, even though we can pray for the wisdom for that. We don't need to worry about winning a race, even though we can pray for the strength and endurance to do that. But we can remember that if we don't pass that test and if we don't win that race or that competition, we can have our contentment through Christ because we have that strength that we need through Christ to have that contentment. I hope that you all have enjoyed learning about these verses 
and I'll be sharing more in the future. But for now, come back in a couple weeks. The day before Thanksgiving, um, I release an episode a day early for Thanksgiving and I have a couple friends coming on that I'm really looking forward to you hearing their story. You will be greatly blessed. I know it. And then it is Christmas and I'll be doing two episodes on Christmas in December as well. So make sure to tune in for those. Have a wonderful week, everybody. I'm so glad you tuned in for today's conversation. I hope you are leaving uplifted in your walk with the Lord because that is my prayer for this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at In All Things Pod, and I would love it if you invited more friends into our conversations. You can also visit my website at inallthingspodcast.com. If this episode was encouraging to you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening platform because it helps the algorithms and it allows In All Things to be accessible to more people. See you next time.